Daniel chapter 2. Let me get there myself. Did anyone dream last night? Anyone have a dream? It's okay. You don't have to tell me what the dream is. You had one? Um, yeah, you had one? Yeah, you had one? All right. Um, how many of you have ever had a dream that, um, that uh, you just you could not stop thinking about? And it just, yeah, it just consumed you, and it just almost freaked you out. Um, just couldn't get it off of your mind. I debated whether or not to say this because I like to try and be someone. I don't want to just be a preacher, pastor that can't be relatable or, or whatnot. I like to try and be transparent. So I guess I, I don't know, maybe you all can identify with this. I sometimes, um, I, I sometimes have a dream to where I'm out in public and let's just say I'm not properly dressed. Does someone, some of you have that same kind of dream, you know, that you don't want to tell people, you just told people with your raised hand. All right, no, just kidding. And, and just to, I mean, without getting into specifics, let's just say it's real embarrassing, right? Yeah. And what, what is up with that? You're going through public and you're going through town or whatever and you look down and you're like, oh my goodness. And you're just mortified. And, and I don't know why I keep having that dream at times, but I just, I have a hard time shaking it. There is a story in Daniel chapter 2, not of the humorous side, but there's a story about a man who uh, could not shake a dream that he had. And he, it got to the point to where he couldn't even go back to sleep. I think he struggled with this for with many, many uh, days. In this man's story, I want us to see that the glorious message of the kingdom was not just some new idea that Jesus concocted when he came on the earth 2,000 years ago. Instead, I want us to see that this kingdom that Jesus talked about, church, was long foretold many, many years ago. Before we get into specific verses, let me just give you the backdrop of what's happening here. Obviously, we're in our topic of thy kingdom come. This is the third week that we've been in this, and I'm thoroughly enjoying where God is taking me and taking us. The man who had this dream was none other than the Babylonian ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. History tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar came into his reign in the year 604 B.C., And Daniel chapter 2 verse 1 tells us that in his second year of reign, he had a dream that he could not get away from. So in Daniel chapter 2, we told that he had a dream that scared him to death, if you were to read that. King Nebuchadnezzar had assembled, if you go back to chapter 1, you'll see that he had assembled a council of wise men, so to speak. From all the different regions and different areas, he assembled men that were wise. Uh, So he assembled the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, 
uh, people of all kinds of uh, wisdom, so to speak, he assembled this council, this special council to him. So when he had this dream that bothered him, he called his uh, council together, and he asked them, he said, I need you to tell me the meaning of my dream. Now, if someone came to you and um, asked you to tell them about their dream, what's one of the first things that you would probably say to them? Well, first off, you'd say you're crazy. But secondly, you would probably say, what did you dream about, right? What did you dream about? Tell me what you dreamt about, and then I'll tell you what I think it means. This is basically what the council said to King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, look, if you tell us the dream, then we'll be able to interpret what this dream means. They said, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. But instead, King Nebuchadnezzar said, no, you tell me what I dreamed about. You tell me what I dreamt about, and then I'll know whether or not I can trust you to tell me about the interpretation. And then he said, if you cannot tell me about the dream, and if you cannot interpret it, I'm going to kill you. And you thought, some of you thought you had a tough boss at work, right? That's what he said. He said, I will kill you. They stalled for as long as they could, eventually saying, look, king, there is no one on this earth who can do what you are asking. It's impossible. Only the gods that do not have flesh and blood like we do, only the gods in heaven can do what you're asking. This so infuriated the king that he sent out a decree saying all the wise men across the land are to be killed. We put, or to be put to death. Just a few years before this, King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Judah and Jerusalem, and he had taken all the Israelites back to the land of Babylon. Among the king's special council were some Hebrews named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're not going to tell their story. Their story is for another day. But he also included a man named Daniel. Daniel was a man known for his wisdom and his ability to interpret dreams. Those are not just my words. If you look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, the second half of verse 17, it says, And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. So here we have these four Hebrew men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and the decree came down that they were all supposed to be put to death. Daniel asked the king, just give me a little bit more time, king, and I will see what I can do. Daniel goes back to his three buddies, and he said, look, we're in trouble. We better get to praying. Um, and, and, and if God doesn't help us, then, then uh, we're, we're done with. God answered their prayers and he revealed to Daniel and uh, he revealed to Daniel the king's dream and what the king's dream meant. And Daniel soon found himself standing in front of the king. 
Now, you want to talk about a nerve-wracking presentation you're about ready to give your boss, right? How would you like it if you knew that your life depended upon how well your PowerPoint presentation went in front of your boss at work, right? If it went well, then your life was spared. If not, then you're, you're a goner. That's basically what was happening here. I think if I were Daniel, I'd been just a little bit nervous. Oh, God, please, I hope that you gave me the right dream. You gave me the right dream. What I love about this story, though, is that when, when the king asked Daniel if he, de- if he indeed could tell him the dream, look what Daniel said in chapter 2, verse 27. Look at this. Daniel 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. He just backed up what some of the others said. He said, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Then go down to verse 30. And this is what I love. He says, but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who made known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You know what he did? He gave all glory to God. He gave all glory to God. This wasn't anything of him himself, but God gave him the ability to do this. So let's get into this. Let's read Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 33. It'll be on the screen. So here is Daniel in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he said... In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. Some of you may have read this passage throughout your Christian journey, and you've wondered, what exactly does this mean? Well, I want us to see that in this little passage, the kingdom of God is beautifully prophesied about. Some 2,600 years ago. So let's continue down this road and see where the Lord and the Holy Spirit takes us. Let's continue to read. Let's go to verse 36. And read to 43. He continues and says, This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beast of the field and the birds of the heaven, he, capital H, meaning God, He has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Verse 41, 
Whereas you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. Clear as mud now? You got it? Good to go? I can say amen and we'll go home, right? This dream deals with a number of kingdoms, church, that ruled and reigned down through history. A time that spanned about a thousand years from the time that this dream took place until it was uh, the end of that kingdom was about a thousand years. And amazingly, God let Daniel see it all. And church, he's allowing you and I to see it all as well. So, what does this massive image of man mean? Let's just take this by kingdom, so to speak. The first one reveals the head of gold, which is referring to the Babylonian kingdom, which took place from the year 604 B.C. to 538 B.C. By historical records, we know that when the Babylonian kingdom ended, the next great kingdom, the chest of arms of silver, was the Medo-Persian kingdom. That fell in the year 286 B.C. But going back to, let's just go back to the Babylonian kingdom like I had in myself. In verse 38, Daniel said that thou art the king of gold, declaring that the first kingdom, the first portion of this image, was King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian kingdom. And history indeed shows us that King Nebuchadnezzar was a mighty king, a powerful king, a great king in the eyes of of the world. So we know for certain that the time and place started with King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian kingdom. Second, the chest and the arms of silver is the Medo-Persian kingdom, which immediately followed and replaced the Babylonian kingdom, and it fell in 286 B.C. The third, we're kind of going to a history lesson here, okay? Just bear with me here. The third portion of this image was the belly and the thighs that were made of bronze. This represents the Grecian kingdom, which immediately followed and replaced the Medo-Persian kingdom. This kingdom existed from 286 to 146 B.C. And the fourth kingdom, which came right after that, the legs and the feet of iron and clay, refer to the Roman Empire, the Roman kingdom that had its beginnings at start at 146 B.C. It lasted 622 years until the year around 476 A.D. So you ask, Pastor Brock, how does all of this pertain to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Well, let's continue on and let's see what the Word says. Let's go back and read verse 34. Daniel 2, verse 34. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Skip down to verse 44 now. 
Verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Folks, these verses just reveal the time and the place that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that you and I are now living and reigning as citizens within this kingdom, it just revealed when it was all going to take place. How cool was that? Anybody else getting just whacked out by all this stuff? I guess not, okay? It's awesome. Verse 44 and 45, I just read it, but let's read it again. It says, During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. I believe this is from the New Living Translation. And it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is Certain. It says, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So, when did Jesus come? Go back to verse 34 and it says, as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. This stone struck the image on its feet of iron and clay. And we know that Jesus came during what kingdom? The Roman kingdom. We know that in history. Is that not cool? 600 years before the Roman Empire even existed, Daniel already prophesied that Jesus, the Messiah, the stone that would be cut without hands, would come during this time. These verses speak of a stone that was cut without hands. It says that it struck the image of feet of iron and clay and it broke them in pieces. The Roman Empire. That's when Jesus came. So we know that Jesus came during this time. That is the stone. I don't know how you would envision that. That's just an artist's rendition of how the stone was cut without hands, human hands. But it's talking about the kingdom that Jesus Christ would bring. So here we see the king prophesied some 600 years before Jesus came. God and his word are sure, church. His word is true. Now I want you to notice three things pertaining to the stone, Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Number one, this stone is the chief cornerstone. Isaiah 28.16 says this, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build upon. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Praise the Lord. 
Go with me to Psalm. My voice is leaving. I don't know why, but go to, with me to Psalm 118.22. I want you to see all this. Psalm 118.22. Psalm 118.22, it says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Amen. Look at that again. If you need to even make a little note beside of it, you can write Isaiah 28.16 as a reference. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I know you're saying, Pastor, I just got there. Now go to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's go all the way in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter 2, starting with verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone. Isn't it amazing the word stone just kind of kind of pops up everywhere? Coming to him as to a living stone, this is 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Go to verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion, another reference to Jerusalem. Behold, I lay in Zion, or Jerusalem, a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone with the, which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This talks about those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who believe in Him as their Lord and Savior. That's just what Isaiah said, the last line. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Verse 7, and what we just read, Therefore, to you who believe, He is the precious cornerstone. Praise the Lord. Jesus was and is the stone that has been rejected by many people. But anyone who places their faith in this stone can be a part of the kingdom of God. One whose foundation will be sure. So let me just quickly stop and recap. Here we have Daniel prophesying to King Nebuchadnezzar. If he didn't get it right, his, his life was over with. He said, King, there are four kingdoms that are going to take place over about the next thousand years. King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the first king in the kingdom. But I want to tell you also that there's going to be a stone that's going to rise up. It's going to be cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, not by natural means, but it's going to be by divine means. It's going to be Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Verse 34 tells us when Jesus Christ and His kingdom will come. It comes during the reign of the kingdom of iron and clay. We know that to be the Roman Empire. God is just lining up everything beautifully. This stone is the chief cornerstone that your faith and my faith, your foundation, all of your foundation of your life can be placed upon the stone, the rock. Upon the rock, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Praise the Lord. The second thing I want you to see about this stone the stone was cut out of the rock without hands. Again, what does that really mean? As I was preparing this message, this thought hit me. I think we can see what this 
means by looking at the Christmas story. You think I'm crazy, don't you? Okay, maybe not that Christmas story, but I'm talking about this Christmas story. You see, when Gabriel told Mary that she was going to be with child, what did she say? She said, how can this be? I don't even know, haven't even known a man. Let's read what it says. Mary asked the angel in Luke chapter 1, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. You look, look, Jesus was not conceived by a natural man. He was conceived by divine means. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was cut out of the rock, not by human hands, but by the divine. Somebody say amen to that. Little did Emperor Augustus Caesar realize that as he sat proudly on his throne in Rome, that a little baby lying in a manger in an obscure little Israeli Jewish town called Bethlehem, this little baby would establish his own kingdom, a kingdom that would outlive his mighty Roman Empire kingdom as well as all earthly kingdoms. Little did King Herod realize that one day when he was going to be visited by three strangers from the east, they were all looking for what? A king. They were looking for a king. Little did he realize that this king would outlast his kingdom that Herod reigned over. Jesus, the stone that is cut without hands, was no ordinary king, but one ordained and established in heaven above. The stone was cut out of the mountain without human hands. The third thing I want to reveal about this stone, this kingdom will have no end. (laughs) Have no end, church. Have no end. I want you to look at the parallels in Luke Speaking of that, you don't have to turn there. It'll just be real quick. Luke chapter 1, 33. The angel also said, And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom, oh, there's the word again, his kingdom will never end. And what we just read in Daniel 2, 44, during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. Two weeks ago, I started this message off by talking a lot about the earthly kingdoms that that, uh, rose up in the the, uh, Egyptian Empire. And today there's, uh, or the kingdom, there's the Great Britain has a kingdom. And all the kingdoms that I talked about two weeks ago, I gave you a beginning date. I told you when they began, and I also gave you an ending date. But to this kingdom that we're talking about, there may be a starting date of some 2,000 years ago, but there will never be an ending date on the other side of that dash. Praise the Lord. It will reign and it will go forever. Praise the Lord. And you and I get to be citizens in this kingdom. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His will not be an earthly kingdom to last for just a 1,000 years. That would refute what these verses just talked about. 
But it will be a kingdom that will last forever, for his kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. I want to read another passage to you. Famous passage, speaking of the Christmas story. Go to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. I feel like I could sing bass this morning in a quartet. I have no idea why that is. <laughs> like George Johnson, dig a little deeper. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Dig a little deeper? Yeah, yeah. Staying in the theme of Christmas here, and it's almost April. You see, Christmas is more than about an angel visiting a young virgin. It's more than wise men. It's more than a star in the east. It's more than shepherds on a hill. Folks, I'm telling you, even the Christmas story is all about the kingdom. And Daniel is not the only place where the kingdom was prophesied years in advance. Isaiah here talks about it. The famous passage that we often read during Christmas time. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. And it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over, here it is, his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What do we see out of this passage? Here we're told about the Christmas child and we're told that he will establish his kingdom. We're also told that within this kingdom there will be a government and it will be upon his shoulders and there will be no end to the peace and the increase of his government. Not long ago I was reading this. What is a government? I mean, God put that in the Word of God for a reason. What is a government? Well, simply speaking, a government is a system of rule, reign, where a person or a group of people give direction and control over another group of people or community. Every kingdom down through the centuries has had a form of government, including the kingdom of God Isaiah tells us that when this child was born, he would establish a kingdom. He would establish a kingdom with a government. For those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they become citizens within his kingdom. Citizens who will live under the rule and the reign of his government. Get it? That makes sense? This government will be placed upon the shoulders of this little infant child. Now, I was thinking for a government to mean anything, for a government to have any, anyone have a position of leadership, they have to have power. They have to have authority. They have to have the ability to lead, church. 
Jesus and his kingdom, a stone cut without human hands, has been given all authority, has been given all power to rule and reign over his kingdom and those in his kingdom. Jesus Christ said as much when he said in Matthew 28:18, for all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Judgment and justice and the final say, church, in all matters is left up to this Christ child. It's given to Him. It all is left up to Him. I want to read one more passage and then I'm going to close this. I think we'll have the band come up. Go ahead, Mandy and... Rochelle and everyone come up. This has felt like a different message today. I don't know why it's just been a different, but man, it's been some glorious truths, some awesome truths and things that have been revealed. And I'm hoping that you'll see again, as I said from the outset, church, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talked about, that Jesus came for, was not just something that he made up. As we talked about last week, Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 1 tells us that from the creation, from the foundation of the world, ever since the world was created, God had a plan. He had a plan for our kingdom. And some six to seven hundred years before this plan was, was revealed even then. When King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and Daniel interpreted this dream, 48 years later, Daniel had a similar dream. He had a similar dream. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to show it to you on the screen. And in that dream, God, who is referred to as the Ancient of Days, gives a powerful proclamation regarding the Son of Man. We know the Son of Man to be Jesus Christ. And this is what God revealed to Daniel again about Jesus Christ. And he said this. Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a what? Say it with me. Kingdom. Kingdom that all peoples... Nations, that's us, that's us. All peoples, all nations, you and I are all that. You're all, we're all people, we're all nations, we're Gentiles. All peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. What an awesome picture. What an awesome revelation of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. The kingdom of God. Listen, church. Contrary to popular belief and those who believe Jesus will set up an earthly kingdom when He returns, one that is supposed to last a thousand years, Daniel confirms that this glorious kingdom has already come. It came when the angelic choir sang to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This kingdom has broken to pieces and consumed every natural man-made kingdom that ever existed. 
And as new kingdoms come and go, the kingdom of God will remain victorious and it will at last outlast them all. Somebody say amen to that. Earthly kingdoms have arisen and fallen, but this one stands unshaken upon the rock of eternal truth. Beginning with Stephen and beyond, it has carried all the martyrs victoriously through to glory. It remained triumphant as the saints of God shed their blood through the centuries of persecution. I was thinking of the song that says, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. He's my master, my savior, like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms. They will all pass away. But there is just something about that name. The name of Jesus. And when time is no more, and all earthly kingdoms have crumbled into the dust, when the sun and the moon no longer shine, when heaven and earth burn away with fervent heat at the end of time, the kingdom of God will still be reigning. The kingdom of God will still be shining. The kingdom of God will still be just as marvelous as the day that it came into existence some 2,000 years ago. And that day, Jesus Christ will still be King of kings. He will still be Lord of lords. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you bow your heads, please? Praise the Lord. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, God. Thank you that hundreds of years before you sent your son Jesus, you inspired Isaiah, prophet, Daniel, the prophet, to write about this glorious kingdom. If we'll just open our eyes and... Realize that it was all in your plan. Thank you, God, that you are a victorious God. Thank you that we don't have to worry about what, what's the ending date on the other side of the dash. There is no ending date. Your kingdom is forever. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this morning we proclaim that your kingdom is forever. Not by natural man. And God, we get to be a part of that kingdom Are you kidding me? We get to be a part of the kingdom of God. We get to be a part. We are citizens within that glorious and wonderful kingdom. Thank you, Lord. As we will learn in the couple what it means to live within that kingdom. Lead me to talk about what does it mean to live within the government of that kingdom. We want to be kingdom citizens this morning. But Lord, this morning we thank you. We praise you, Lord. How great is our God. You are great. You are an You are a God. You're not just the God over people. God over us individually. We can have that individual, personal relationship with you this morning, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you that you walk with us and you talk with us and you tell us we're your own. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the truth of your word. We can leave this morning knowing that we are a part of something that is victorious, that can never be conquered, that can never be defeated. doesn't matter what kingdoms, doesn't matter what earthly governments come against us. It can never take away what we have in Jesus Christ. It will take us from here to glory, God. 
Thank you for that. So this morning, we want to end just worshiping you. We want to end praising you, God. And that's who we want to be. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to stand. We're going to sing this well-known song. I just want you to think about the glorious truths that we talked about.